back up. Just back up a little bit more because you're too close. It's rude to stand too close to people. You start to smell each other's breath and that's no good. You can see each pore and you notice things that you really shouldn't notice. Likewise, when we stand too close to our issues, to our problems and dilemmas, we can begin to be puzzled and captivated by them. And so the notion today is to back up, to gain some perspective, to put some distance between you and the problem, whatever it may be. So as I'm recording this, we find ourselves at this point in the world where I think a lot of people are too close to the problems. They are furious. They are very upset. They're chanting things, yelling things, demanding that others do things that they want them to do. There's a charade going on. People are getting tricked left and right. People are getting trapped into an identity that's not even their own. And so I would recommend if you're listening to me that we learn from this what those in the chaos cannot do we can do now those people that have been lost to the cause and are blind to all the things that are around them we don't have to act like that and we can study the mechanism by which to free ourselves you don't ask a fish about water because the fish is in the water it doesn't even know what it is it's immersed in the water and so it's not a good assessor or a good critical thinker of about the properties of water and what water is. It's its environment, that's all it knows. The same principle holds true for these furious people shouting, chanting, demanding. How can they possibly come to any solutions in that state of mind and we see as these things play out there is more and more polarization a repelling and 
the echo chamber becomes louder and the tensions get tighter and the stakes are raised higher and ultimately you have senseless violence needless destruction and really tragic loss of life life-altering injuries because people are forcing themselves into a standoff going toe-to-toe -to -toe and nose-to-nose -nose against their perceived enemy and they would say no it's not a perception this is my enemy these people need to get out of here go away submit whatever it is and this is a very human thing to do and so we're going to study this and if you're with me on this you're going to apply this lesson to your own life and your own problems whatever they may be whenever we're too close to our problems they begin to get overwhelming the panic sets in we can't even breathe correctly so the first thing to do is to take a breath take 10 breaths put that trouble out of your mind and give yourself 10 feet of distance from it and you can do this mentally you can visualize it you can say it whatever it is you just have to kind of imagine some distance between you and the problem whatever it is that's keeping you up at night whatever it is that's troubling you and most likely you have more than one issue or thing that you're working on because we are complex beings orchestrating a life and we have nagging worries and doubts that repeat and so I'm not advocating shoving all of your issues into a closet closing the door and forgetting about it but I'm also not advocating rolling around in the garbage in order to clean it up When we put some distance between ourselves and our issues, then we can take a minute to think about them critically and logically. A counselor can be beneficial, and I don't mean a professional paid counselor. I mean, if you have an issue, try talking to a friend about it that doesn't share the same issue. You need someone that's more impartial. Oftentimes, the things we think are issues are an imaginary boogeyman that don't even really affect us. And so oftentimes that will be a distraction from the real issue. Oftentimes people don't even know what their real issues are. And I think we can see this in other people. If we study people, if we observe, we will see that they are unaware of their deep issues and so they are reacting against the convenient stimulus yet their reaction is so strong and visceral they convince themselves 
that the enemy is standing before them and the enemy must be torn down. It must be destroyed. It must submit. This is all an illusion. And I will tell you why. History does not exist except in our books, in our records, in our minds. Memories are very convincing, very conniving, and manipulative entities. Memories are not our friend. They're not our ally. Oftentimes, our memories will hold us back and chain us to a prison, a prison of sadness and regret. And so the future, it represents what is not done yet, what has not happened. It represents possibility, and it should represent beautiful unlimited possibility but what happens when we are chained to our past through memories is that we begin to look at the future through a kaleidoscope of memory it distorts reality this is a very fundamental aspect that we need to look at Unless you have freed yourself from your past and your memory, you will never be able to imagine or envision a better, brighter future for yourself. Even less so will you be able to enact that amazing future or achieve what it is that you really, really want to achieve. Because memories enslave us and entrap us and because memory seduces us with sadness, with regret, with I shoulda, I coulda, if I only woulda. Because memory works like this, we really must work to free ourselves from it. And we need to sort of weed out the memories that don't serve us. Now, once again, I'm not saying that you should just forget everything, but in essence, you need to refine your mind, and in doing so, you will be able to look forward to the future. Many of the things we think we know are in fact lies. Many of the things we think we have observed have been clever illusions and manipulations. And so it's best just to let it go, forget about it. And if you can ground yourself in the present moment, and I mean really do it and connect with the moment and forget about all of your long history and all of the many things and many people and you just take scissors out and you see strings attached to you. And each string goes to a person, an event, a memory. And you just cut those strings one by one. And you find out, oh my gosh, the more I cut, the more I see. And so you just spend a minute cutting all those strings to your past. 
And then you feel yourself with a new buoyancy, a new freedom. And then you can say, what am I really all about right now? What do I want right now? What are my problems right now? And then you can assess those things with a calm, cool, and collective mind. Because memories are often very emotionally charged. In fact, the more emotional an event is in our life, the more weight it holds in our memory banks. So these are very toxic elements. And just as the body needs to relieve, to relieve itself of extra salt, the mind needs to relieve itself of these salty memories. Or else the body begins to corrode and the structure and integrity is destroyed. And then the future and the outlook looks very bleak. And so the mind can become a desert, a dry, bleak, and barren plain on which no good can possibly emerge. This is the trap of memory. And memory also plays another trick on us. It gets us too close, it crowds us. And because our memories are actually inside of us in a way, they are too close, they're way too close. And so put some distance between you and your memories. Take your memories and say, okay, give me 10 feet, give me 100 feet, give me about 10 miles now. This is a visual exercise or a mental meditation that you can do. You can sit there and you can say to yourself, okay, this is going to be a memory cleanse, a memory cleanse. I'm going to command my mind to relieve itself of all memories, all of them. I want to push them all out of my body, all out of my being. And I'd like to give myself about 10 miles of space between my memories and I. And then take 10 breaths and just try to exist in the moment. Take a minute with this and feel the weight come off. Feel the shift in your mind. And then once again, you can look at the future and it may look a lot greener, a lot brighter, a lot more possibility. I look out there and I see the struggle of a lot of people with good intentions they want a better world. We all want the same thing as human beings. We all want love, acceptance, safety. We want to have like an importance or to make a difference. We want to be unique yet accepted. There's a balance sheet of desires that as humans we share. Yet Things seem to get corrupted along the way, don't they? You look out in the world and you see people doing awful things. You see systemic 
issues embedded into society and you see people treating each other like you wouldn't even want to treat a dog. People are actually nicer to dogs than they are to other people. And this is just plain wrong. Any way you look at it, any way you slice it, treating other people poorly is an injustice against ourselves. And yet we've put up defenses because we perceive the world as being so aggressive. And I'm speaking in general terms. I'm not speaking for myself, really. And I'm not speaking for you. But looking out at a lot of people and what they're doing and where they're at, especially younger people that are still figuring these things out. And so we can learn from that. We can learn from that. I don't think everyone can learn. I don't think society can learn. I think people are probably doomed to repeat their ignorant patterns. But as an individual, we have to be okay with that. We have to kind of accept that and have a little cosmic giggle about it with ourselves. And we don't have to become part of that. In fact, if we look at most people as being wrapped up in their problems and dilemmas and too close to their problems and sort of spinning their wheels, we can kind of say, hey, maybe I don't want to do that and then go through those exercises. This is a quick outline form, by the way, of those. And later on, I think in the coming weeks and months, I'm going to dedicate these sessions to very precise meditative ways. These earlier recordings that I've been doing for a few weeks now, these are just sort of to push the ideas out there. And we're not really refining the ideas yet. This is a very basic outline form. With that said, we can improve our lives. We need to zoom out. We need to isolate ourselves from other people. We need to have some me time, no matter who you are, and no matter how much you love being around people. Everyone needs a little time just to sit. And everyone needs some time not to think, but actually to stop thinking and to stop weaving these stories around you again and again and again. Everyone needs to be able to put some distance between themselves and their memories, their perceived problems, and other people's ideologies. Because when you do that, when you do that, you will find your true connection, your true purpose, and your true meaning in life. Things will become abundantly clear in those moments. And then what happens is you can be far more effective in dealing with life, people, the world, your job, your family, your friends, whatever. You'll be much more effective. There's a phrase I've heard that I really like that says, everyone should meditate for at least 15 minutes. 
And if you're too busy for that, if your schedule won't allow it, then you need to meditate for 30. What does that mean? I think you know what it means. The busier you are, the more hectic your life is, the more you need meditation. Or else, spiders will snare you up and wrap you up. And soon you won't be able to even breathe properly. So, I'm going to go back to the title of this. You're too close. It's time to zoom out. That is something that you can apply when planning a project, when working on a goal, when thinking about any central issue of your life. And yet, it's only something that someone can do. The mob will never be able to do that. A group of people will never be able to do that because they are physically representing the problem. A mob is a physical representation of the problem of being overwhelmed and flooded and inundated with your problems, with worries, with anxieties, with vices, with sometimes just evil. Evil can flood into us if we let it. Reaction. It's a natural thing. We all have it hardwired into us. We have a primitive and very violent self inside us, in our body. These bones, they hold many codes. And so, do you want to access those codes and live those out? I mean, we are all capable of becoming Neanderthals. It's easy. You just pick up a stick and whack someone on the head that you don't like. You get mad and beat someone. Start a fire, burn something down. Destruction is a very easy thing to fall back onto. The question is, do you want to do it? And the question, the bigger question of today is, are you doing it subtly? Are you allowing this to be done through your moods? Are you doing this in your relationships? I think we all do this a little bit from time to time. And it's something that as we age, we try to work on, or at least we should try to work on. The more you try to do, the more problems seem to come your way. The more you push for something, the more resistance you're going to get. And so sometimes it's very useful if you're struggling in the ocean, if the ocean kind of pulls you out in a riptide and you find yourself far away from the shore, struggling panicking and fighting to get back to shore can actually have very counterproductive effects. People drown that way. But instead, if you take a break and a breath and just let it happen and then sort of recharge, wait for the tide to shift a little bit, and then you swim back. 
This is just a metaphor. It's not meant to be tried, literally. But in your mind. In your mind, do you ever feel yourself get pulled away from where you want to be? And then you're struggling, 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 and then you get exhausted and fatigued. And then the impulses become very difficult to resist. And resisting impulses is arguably the most important thing that you can do in your life. If you give in to impulse, you make bad decisions. I stand by that statement. I don't think being impulsive leads to good destinations. I think anyone that's hyper-emotional is going to get wrecked at some point. I think that if you want to live your life like that, you'll burn out really quickly. And maybe again, some people want to do this and that's fine. We can't change anyone. All we can really do is work on ourselves and try to dig deep and understand ourselves and understand this puzzle that we're in. That's all we can really do. And then if we get really good at that, then we can start articulating it, speaking about it, assisting others with it in a detached way, of course. We can't get over-invested in other people's issues and problems because we'll get pulled into them and then we will make them our own and then we're overwhelmed and we're back to square one. And at the same time, we can't be a calloused, heartless robot. There's no future in that. I think the, the most hope that lies with humanity is within the individual growing, blossoming, developing their own intellect and reason and balance, developing their own heart and ability to offer love. And then those individuals will spread that awareness. There's no hope in the state-run, top-down system. There's no hope with trickle-down economics or trickle-down morality. There's no hope with mob rule or martial law. Really, the most hope comes from someone growing their own garden and developing their own personality. And when your garden is bountiful, you can share a basket with your neighbors and friends. So I'm going to wrap up this session now with a rogue thought just a tangent that seems like it's pretty important. When we look into ourself 
What do we see? That's the first step. What is there? You must take some time to do this. Take an aerial perspective. Imagine yourself flying up 100 feet over you and look down at your body and your life. And imagine all the aspects of your life. And maybe it would be useful to even draw it, to draw yourself there, bird's eye perspective. There you are. And then with either words or pictures or symbols, surround yourself with your life as you see it. Even the stuff that you don't like, like your problems, write them down and sort of chart or map your life. And then when you complete that, put it, put it in away, put it to the side, get a new paper and make an idealized version of this map. Draw yourself there, an ideal version of yourself, maybe using words, pictures, symbols, whatever. Make an idealized map of your life and what do you what you want it to be like, okay? Now put the two pictures side by side and look at them and then try to discover what's blocking you from living and being this idealized version. It's a very useful way to identify your problems. And then the next step you could do is take a new page problems, list them out, make a map of them, work on them, think about the deeper issues there, try to find the root source of these problems or roadblocks or whatever is keeping you from being that ideal version. There's more stuff you could do with that, but we'll get into those things in future sessions. As said, this is like an outline. I'm just trying to hit these notes quickly, succinctly, to get information out to you guys so that you don't get sucked into this tornado of problems. Problems have a gravity and an attractiveness to them. And oftentimes, we get sucked into other people's artificially induced problems and then we get lost into it. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that because most likely we have our own things to work on to be super effective, to be happy, to be on the path. So, I'm going to end it there. Thank you for listening. I appreciate all that you guys are, all that you do. I look forward to developing this format and developing this podcast. It's going to be changing, growing. It's a new project for me, just beginning. So, thank you. Good luck. Be well. Make it a great day, make it a great week, make it a great year.